Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. My chalkboard menu is silently judging you. What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's not Pinterest, it's practical. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. There is nothing that a good checklist can't make better. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Okay, freak, whatever. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about doing what matters and skipping what doesn't and how to figure out what is in which category. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, Amy, this is an episode very close to your beating heart. Very close to my beating heart. You know, when we were talking to Ariana Bradford back in episode 163, Bad Mom Moments. It occurred to us during the interview as we were talking that the sort of perfect moms with their bento box lunches on Instagram are really just as vulnerable as the moms who put up pictures of their crazy messy houses aren't on social media because they're a hot mess. Like we're asking for connection in different ways. We're asking to be seen in different ways, but we're not so different from each other. And I wanted to unpack that a little more. This is in the firm category of which there are several things of things I have learned on this podcast, like literally like things I have had revealed to me by participating in this podcast. And this is for sure one of them. Like people who keep clean houses are not doing it to annoy me. Right. To make you. That is something I learned By recording this podcast, I have always assumed that people who keep clean houses are doing it just to be bothersome to me personally. Yes. Whereas I have probably assumed that people who are like, whatever, we just, you know, run outside in our bare feet and eat popsicles all summer long. Like, you know, who cares about those planners? You feel implicitly judged by the choices that other parents are making when they're different than yours, even though I don't think that's always intentional or ever intentional. Maybe I'm not sure. Right. And of All of the things that this podcast isn't a like get more done podcast for me is the most thing that this podcast isn't, you know? Yeah. In terms of there's a lot of people who are like how to maximize every second of your day, you know, and I just read that and I'm like, whatever that book is, never, ever give it to me. (laughs) I don't want to read it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to know anything about that. But that being said, We have had people like Laura Vanderkam on the podcast, who's somebody who is... Maximize every moment. I mean, that's how she rules, right? Maximize every moment. 
and her point of view, and we often say this, like you don't do meal planning because you want people on Pinterest to see how cool you are. You do meal planning because it actually makes your existence easier. Right. And that's another thing that I feel like I've kind of learned from the podcast that like some advice that to me is like, okay, freak, whatever, plan your meals, loser. Like I have started planning my meals because I have finally realized that like my identity as like hot mess express, it actually makes my life easier if I know what's for dinner every day of this week. Right. And it's not color coded and it's not a chart. It's a whiteboard where like I scrawl lasagna next to Monday and like steak next to Tuesday. It's not a chalkboard with like a farmhouse theme that's like in a beautiful script. It's like, darling family, this week I shall prepare this for you. It's not Pinterest. It's practical. Oh, Amy, we're making t-shirts. It's not Pinterest. It's practical. Oh, okay. All right. Taking a note on that. It's not pizza. It's DiGiorno. (laughs) It's not Pinterest. It's practical. Our guest this week is Kendra Adachi. Her new book is called The Lazy Genius Way. Embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. We'll be talking to her in a little bit. But what she sets up in this book is, yes, you put the systems in place for what either really matter to you, like maybe having a beautiful chalkboard menu in the kitchen makes you happy when you look at it every day, in which case I should make that menu and feel great about it, but you shouldn't if it doesn't make you happy, nor should you feel like my chalkboard menu is silently judging you. I mean, I do feel like your chalkboard menu is, I don't know that I can let go of that. Is that a requirement of this episode? I don't have a chalkboard menu, but I do feel like, I mean, Hello. Spoiler alert. You and I are opposites in many ways. And I think that you tend towards the where are my keys kind of stuff. Right. And I tend more towards there is nothing that a good checklist can't make better kind of thing. And I think that in my many years as a parent, I've bumped up against the limits of that, that there are some things a checklist can't make better. And I know you've bumped up against eventually you get tired of looking for your keys. That's exactly what it is. And that's different than I've spoken before on the podcast about what I describe. I don't describe it. It's from Alcoholics Anonymous, the God shaped hole, the idea that like you're trying that in recovery, one of the things you realize is that whatever substance you are taking in, whether it is food or gambling or alcohol or drugs, that you are essentially trying to fill the God-shaped hole, and that, in fact, you have to find your higher power or whatever it is that fits that hole, because you're no matter how much wrong stuff you pour in the God-shaped hole, you're never going to fill it because it's a God-shaped hole. Yeah. And I sometimes see the insane cleanliness and the like, let us live in a pottery barn catalog where there is no indication that real humans live here. I look at that sometimes. And what my internal monologue says is God-shaped hole. Like, is there something that you are trying to fulfill with that level of, not you, Amy, the larger you, of controlling chaos that is really God-shaped hole? But at the same time, I have been forced in these conversations to look at my own God-shaped hole and be like, is there a level of like, I don't bother, I just live amidst the chaos that is the same problem, flip side of the same problem. And this moment, I think when we're all at home a lot more, if you're not home all the time, you're at home a lot more than you usually are. And so are your kids. So is your spouse and there's and you're eating out less. There's just more mess. And so for the eh, who cares, leave the dishes in the sink. You know, it's only they're only little ones for the people who tend towards that end of things. Your house is tipping into hoarders category, right? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, Amy. (laughs) 
And those of us were like, this is my opportunity to make my home look exactly the way I really want it to, right? I'm going to fluff the pillows six times a day now that I'm home all the time because I can't sit down with my cup of tea and relax until my house looks like I want it to. Both of us are like, I'm running a lot faster to keep up with why is this house so messy all the time. And if you don't keep up with it. One of our listeners said that a couple of weeks ago about the whole like the dishes can wait sort of like, OK, yeah, like for five minutes they can wait. But after five days, it's going to start to smell and I'm going to have like flies in my house. What do you mean? I eventually you do have to clean. These are becoming untenable. And I think our goal in the conversation is finding it reminds me of like my mother-in-law was visiting at some point and she we had our laundry downstairs and she came up at some point in great triumph and was like, I finished the laundry. And I said to her, I have found that for my personal sanity, I have had to accept that there's no such thing as finishing the laundry because <laughs> it's like taking that out of my personal equation. Like the laundry is just a constant Sisyphusian cycle of which I am like underneath. And I think that what we're trying to talk about today is coming up with parameters that make you the least crazy. Right. Systems that actually make things easier without you feeling bad that you're not adhering to the system. Like from the laundry example, Kendra talks in this Lazy Genius Way book about sorting your laundry, not into darks and lights. She kind of suggests you can let that go at least most of the time, unless you have a brand new pair of jeans or something, and instead sort them like wash your son's clothes in one load, wash your daughter's clothes in the next load, sort the clothes by where they're going to end up. Because that, that's, I never thought of that. And I have mountains of clothes. I have three children. And it's summertime, so everybody's going through multiple T-shirts a day. And yeah, I fit as much as I can in the washer. But then the sorting and ascertaining whose, you know, kind of ratty T-shirt this is or underwear or whatever, it takes up a lot of my time. I had never thought of doing something as simple as that. I have a laundry system that I have finally gotten happy with. I have oh. tried many laundry systems. And I'm going to tell you my new laundry system because I've worked on it a lot over the summer. I have a three-part, I bought it at like maybe Target, you know, somewhere easy. It's like a three-part sorter for laundry downstairs. And I do one darks, one lights, and one towels. And basically, it's huge. So when it's full, I really know it's time to do the laundry. And then I do darks, lights, and then when I hit towels, I'm always so happy because I'm like, it's towels time. Towels is like <laughs> the easiest laundry. They're easy to <laughs> fold. They're big. Like, yes, I get a certain... Happy jolt when I realize it's towel time at laundry because it's so easy. <laughs> and then I have three baskets when I fold and then I put the three kids stuff away. Oh, mine goes right away. My husband's I throw at him and I yell, do it yourself. And then the three kids I fold. I put them in categories while I fold them. That's my system. It's working for us pretty well. And I will say one of my child's chores, we've really leaned in on chores during the pandemic, Yes, is laundry. And he can do the towels pretty much by himself. And he not only, he washes, and then he comes upstairs and tells Alexa to set a timer. And then when it goes off, he goes down and changes it over. He's not good at folding. He can't fold. I have had, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've had to teach my teenagers who are now 17 and 16 how to use the washer because they just don't know. And it's so weird because I definitely taught them last week and it works. They're still trying to play the, well, I don't know how to turn it on. 
We don't have any clean clothes, that whole thing. Right. And like they can program like anything they want on TV. They can like code stuff on the computer. Yes. They can stream the switch to the television. Right. I think we are very, very helped by the fact that our weird washer and dryer, that's just the washer and dryer that was here when we bought the house. It has a play button that looks like a VCR play button. That's how the controller looks. I don't know if I've seen it like on a lot of them, but I think that really works to my advantage. It's like hit play. Somebody should make an app, right? An app that runs the washer and then, you know, I don't know, like, and then asteroids fall from the sky and you have to sort it and press start. There you go. That's a million dollars. That's a thousand dollar idea, Amy. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. So putting rules in place around things and structure and order, as you say, feels like exhausting. And yet it can be really helpful if you pay attention to sort of the greatest pain point that you have, that there are... This moment that we're in, right? It's intense. We're all home all the time. Like we're saying, we're all cooking a lot more. So right now, for me, the kitchen mess is the Sisyphean pain point of there are always pans. And I've, you know, moved my family definitely more towards participating and helping. And like you make something, you clean it up, but they might leave it around for 12 hours first. And that messy kitchen is my pain point. So I need to figure out some systems around this because it does, it drives me nuts. I do have a hard time. I have a, my apartment is very like open living room kitchen. Like I, you know, sit on my couch at night and look at the dishes on the counter and I do have a really hard time relaxing. And I guess the answer is not for me, like stop worrying about it so much, mom, but like, no, no, no. Like the kitchen mess is a huge pain point right now. And it it is not just my problem. It's everybody's problem. And we need a system in place. I have found the quarantine good for this. My kids are very into no thanks to my sister and her children who have convinced them that the funnest thing in the world, and maybe they didn't have to convince them. I'm kind of just goofing on them is building forts out of the couch cushions. (laughs) Like this is like their favorite activity. And my kids are, I think, a little old for this. They're like 11, 10, and 8. But they build forts and they want to sleep in them. But the fort involves getting every pillow, blanket, sheet, everything from the house. Yep, everything. And then every book out to like hold the sheets in place. And then one person moves and a million blankets and sheets and books fall And then they're like, oh, that fort was a failure. I guess we'll just walk away. And now every sheet, towel, blanket and book in my house is in my living room. And the quarantine has been good for like, here's how forts work. You make a fort and then nothing else happens until the fort is deconstructed and everything (laughs) is put away the way it was, you know. And I think probably their age is very helpful on this, too, that like, You can't play any video games until that fort is, I can find no evidence that there's a fort. And I kind of, we talk a lot about like trying to make it fun, but like, I'm like, Inspector Mommy is coming in. And if I find one remnant of fort, you know, if I find one book, one flashlight, whatever it is, and they kind of get that, like we have built some systems and the same thing is like dinner is done when your plate is cleared, Mm -hmm. washed and put in the dishwasher. That's when dessert happens. Mm. And really building structures in that are expectations. And like now my kids do pretty much get up, wash their dish, and put it in the dishwasher. I think it might be my spouse I have the most trouble with. So I wonder if I do, if I pretend I'm omelet pan inspector, (laughs) what would happen? Maybe that would help. Maybe if you got a fun little marital bit going, being like, honey, I better not find any trace of omelet pan in there. I will say, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know that the bane of Amy's existence is her husband's omelet pan. Like, I've never heard 
a recurring marital strife quite like it. Like my husband is annoying in 8 million ways, but I can't be like, it's this thing. But we know with you and your husband, it's like the omelet pan is the central thorn in your side. Well, and I take it to you guys. Here's the thing. Like I actually had a somebody that my husband works with said to him, like, what's the deal with the omelet pan? Can't you just clean it up? And he didn't know what he was talking about. And he's like, I love it. My wife listens to your wife's podcast. And there's a... (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, she's got a lot of thoughts about your omelet pan. Yes. Thank you for reinforcing that for me. So yeah, I'm mostly complaining to you guys about it. And that's probably part of the problem (laughs) that I'm silently seething. Yeah. Or maybe just sit him down and make him listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about all of this with Kendra Adachi, author of The Lazy Genius Way. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Today's guest is Kendra Adachi, better known as The Lazy Genius. Her new book is The Lazy Genius Way, Embrace What Matters, Ditch What Doesn't, and Get Stuff Done. Kendra is also the host of The Lazy Genius Podcast and the mother of three young kids. Thanks for being here, Kendra. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I think that Margaret and I are the perfect sort of test case for this book because is that because one of us is lazy and one of us is a genius (laughs) well yeah kendra you say in the book that there's apathy and survival mode and there's rules and perfection mode yes and that both are not a great place to be because both take too much energy take a lot of energy both of them do i think we get tricked into thinking that apathy mode is like easy it's really not at least it's not for me so 
talk about that, that you say in the book that we should stop applauding chaos as the only indicator of vulnerability, which I loved because I think of myself as a, a struggler with a very neat house. So yes, talk about that. How did you come to realize that? Well, I came to realize that because I felt so guilty for liking my house to be clean. Mm. Like it just I got so confused because the Internet, <laughs> you know, capital I was seemed to be having messages for me that if my house was clean, then I was pretending. That was me saying that. (laughs) (laughs) There were too many messages saying that unless your house is a mess, then you are not being real. And while that could be true for some people, where if they are keeping their house like really tidy, they're trying too hard at something that doesn't matter to them. But what that does is that discounts people who actually really do enjoy having a tidy house, not because it makes them look good, because it makes them feel good on the inside. It makes them feel more like themselves. Like if my house is messy, my brain shuts down. Like it's just the way it goes. Does that mean that I'm better than somebody who can survive an actual visual clutter? No, not at all. But I feel like that's kind of where we sort of land sometimes. We like extremes, you know, because then we can find ourselves like in the right camp more easily. And those two extremes... I didn't fit. I couldn't find myself. And then I started kind of paying attention to what people are saying about clean and dirty and all the opposites and all the paradox of like just being a person and found that a lot of people felt like there wasn't a place for them. And so that's why this started coming of like, can we just just be ourselves and be people and focus on what we like and let go of what we don't? And if it's different from the next person, that doesn't mean that one of us chose right or wrong. We just chose differently. Like it's fine. So that's where that came from. This is something I have actually learned as a result of doing a podcast. I was that person. And I honestly believed that people who kept their house clean and were lying or nuts. I don't know. I really (laughs) believed that. And I didn't just do it as a bit. I wasn't like, look at you with your clean house. Like, I find people who keep clean houses very suspect. And I have learned to let go of this because enough people have finally explained it to me that like this feels good for some people. But I so don't relate to it on a cellular level that it is hard for me to not just think it's a bit, you know, at the end of the day. Totally. And I think that that is such a great perspective on it that a lot of this the internet is just a giant bit you guys right like it really is like everything is so like categorized and compartmentalized and like you fit here if you don't fit here then you're not doing it right and rather than like looking for places that we fit necessarily i think i'm just especially now in these unprecedented times it's kind of like i just feel like we need to stop trying to find our own individual buckets and then being like, if you're not here, if you don't fit here with me, then I don't know what we can talk about. Like we have to start kind of rising above the categories to kind of talk to each other about stuff that like really matters to individuals because something matters to everyone. You know, it's like it's not that having like a cluttered house like that doesn't matter or like not caring about it or whatever. We all just care about different things. And that is good. It's not just like we can accept that and settle for that. That's just the way it is. Like, no, that's actually like alive. I feel like that's just what makes humanity beautiful is that we all care about different things and we can hold hands and care about different things. And that way everything gets cared about. Everything gets taken care of and done. And I just wish that that was like more of a message in the Internet instead of a bit. So what's the lazy genius way then? The lazy genius way is to for you individuals to embrace what matters to you, ditch what doesn't matter to you. And then you get stuff done because the whole goal, I think the Internet is sort of set up for us to optimize our lives in some way. You know, it's like you need to optimize every single moment. 
or you just give up and don't optimize any of them and not care. You know, it's like one or the other. Right. And so what I want to do in the lazy genius way is to offer a new way that you can both hold both system and soul in the same life. You can care about certain things. You are allowed to care about things that matter to you. And you can optimize those things. You can be a genius about those things. You can take time on those things. But then the stuff that doesn't matter to you, you can let it go without shame. You can let it go without feeling like you're comparing yourself to other people or feeling like you're being judged. It's sort of like every after school special says, like if someone judges you based on something that matters to you, they're not your real friend. You know, it's like that. (laughs) But it's just kind of like, I want to invite people into this way of being like wholehearted in what really matters to them and not feel shame or guilt or weirdness about caring about what they care about, that we can all exist together in that. And so the idea of the Lazy Genius Way, that's the like overarching idea. And then the book has 13 principles that you can use like individually or like in combination with each other. It's like a Swiss army knife for life. It's kind of what I think about. And you can use those tools, those principles to build systems that support what matters to you, to create like structure around your life or places where you're like, I used to put structure here and it stifled me. I don't want structure anymore. I'm just going to let this go. It doesn't matter. Like that we can create our own systems rather than just buying another book where the author's like, here's a system, do it. And you're like, this doesn't work for me. So get to build your own system. Let's talk about some of the rules. So the first one is decide once. Yes. I really liked this one. Tell us about how this works. I love this one too. So there are too many decisions. There's just too many things to think (laughs) about every day and decide. And so I started to pay attention to where am I making a decision over and over again? And I can just make one decision and it be done. So here is, I'm going to bring up meal planning, which I feel like is one of those bits, you know, people who meal plan are crazy or people who don't meal plan are also crazy. (laughs) You know, it's just one or the other. Yeah. Here's the idea for me a brown meal planning. Meal planning is not like color-coded. It makes you organized and you grow your own tomatoes. Like it's not about that. It is simply deciding one time what's for dinner instead of seven. That's all it is. It's just deciding once. Or if you decide one time you make a monthly meal plan, I do that. And again, people think I'm nuts. But like, I'm just deciding one time instead of 30. It's magical. Yeah, because it's the worst part of my day. What's for dinner? Like, I don't know. (laughs) What's for dinner? It's the worst. (laughs) It's the worst. So it's just things like that to decide one time. Now, here's the thing. Do you have to decide once about meal planning? No. Pick areas in your life that like bring you stress or give you life. Like basically you're deciding once in support of something that matters to you or something that you want to let go of. If that is not dinner, don't decide once for dinner. Don't meal plan. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't matter. Only pick what matters. I have another good principle I really like from the book, put everything in its place, which is not more complicated than it sounds, but more illustrative than it sounds. It's more impactful, I think, than it sounds. Yes. I agree. Put everything in its place. I love so much because our homes are limited Like our shelf space is limited. Our storage is limited. The walls of our house, like everything is finite. And the beauty of having finite space is that you have limits on what can fit there. So if you just put your stuff away, you will find what stuff you no longer need. 
I say in the book, you don't have to become a minimalist. Just put your stuff away. Like if it's in a place and you know where to go and get it, you can have as much stuff as you like. Like do it. It's great. But where we start to like want to run away and like live in a home where we own 17 things or, you know, live in a van or whatever is because we're too overwhelmed by our stuff. And it just seems like, again, kind of sexy to be like, I have a cutting board that is also an ironing board Hmm. and is a rag for washing my, you know, whatever. It's like everything has all these multi-purposes and that feels really alluring. But what we're after is we just want our stuff to have a place. So focus not so much on like getting rid of your stuff, just put it away. And then whatever doesn't have a home, you might not need to keep in your actual home. I am a hot mess. That's my persona. But I found that this is very (laughs) true in terms of like, One thing that I have shed as I've gotten older is like telling lies to myself. And it feels like this is part of that, too, which is like I want my budget. I was always like, can't make a budget because that would reveal that I'm coming up short by $750 a month every single month. Like, why would I want to look at that? That's a horrible truth that I don't even know how to fix. And I feel like the out of control house, there's a truth that like you just have too much stuff. And that really speaks to me like. Knowing the actual truth of what's not making it work is better than like walking through the mess every day because that hum that is like this is out of control is always there. It's always easier to turn around and look at it. Yes, that was so well said. And it is a hum like it's a constant like shaming hum Mm -hmm. of like good job being a grown up not you know like it's all very like sarcastic and mean and shaming and but you're right it's not that we're doing it wrong it's that the truth that we believe about our stuff is wrong that's right like exactly what you said so i just i love that so much and that's the middle that i'm talking about it's not like you need to live in a tiny house or be on hoarders like those are not your only options just put your stuff away well i say for a long time like it always weirds me out when i'm like i go to someone's house and i'm like where's the kids? Like, there's no evidence that children (laughs) live there. Like, it just weirds me out. It's like I'm in a pottery barn set. Yeah, for real. And so that I find, like, you don't have to get to a point where, like, people walk in and it's like, (laughs) no people live here. That's the goal, I feel like, of a lot of those, like, internet guides. It's like, I don't want to live in a house that looks like nobody lives there. That's not appealing to me. Agreed. But I don't also want to live in a house where I'm just constantly, like, this stuff is leaping at me. What I like in the book, Kendra, you say you need to pay attention to what your stuff is telling you like do the detective work of your mess like if you have yeah like right now the floor of my closet has all these shoes that are kind of all like kerfuffled on top of each other and I'm wearing the same sneakers every day because I'm not going anywhere and so what are those shoes telling me maybe that I need to give some of them away or at least put them somewhere really high up because I'm not going to be using them for six months Exactly. One of those two things. That is what is so interesting. I love the word detective as well. It's like you can sort of be like a stuff detective with what is your stuff telling you? Because you're right. If your shoes are all over the place and I find this with my kids, like they will go looking for this one toy and every single other toy lands on the floor and but they never, ever play with the other things. They're just going for the one. And so it's like maybe I move those things that they don't play with to a place that they don't really access every day or put it in the same place where they're accessing stuff every day. Or they maybe they don't care and we can get rid of it. Now, and again, that sort of goes against our sort of default when we get overwhelmed by our shoes is to just grab a big trash bag and throw everything out or be like, we're going to the 
thrift store. You know, like we're donating it. Going on one pair. Yeah, we're just take what you like, whatever fits on your back, and everything else is getting gone. And that is again like just a big swing that is not telling us the truth about our stuff. Our stuff is actually communicating pretty clearly of like, hey, can you put me somewhere? That would be great. I really like you. Can you put me away? <laughs> I think it's a really interesting thing to think about during the whole coronavirus quarantine, being out of life for a while thing, that what is our lifestyle telling us? What is everything telling us about what we think we need? And that's the thing. I mean, you don't probably need 40 pairs of shoes. You don't probably need mm. all the stuff. It's like we keep saying like, don't miss the lessons of this time. And it feels like a lot of what you're saying overlaps with that. Really think about this stuff now because yeah. we're being all forced to take a hard look at our lives. And don't be the me who's like, I'd rather just run past it and keep going and forget that weird feeling it gives me. Like, this is a great time to take time to be like, what's good and what's not good? Yeah, we actually talked in one of our episodes this spring when we were just starting this long climb together about one of your ideas about being an energy detective. And this was around meal planning that one of our listeners discovered that she could make the main meal of the day for lunch and then dinner was a hot dog or cereal and that that worked for her. And so that actually, we actually talked about you on that episode, that being really oh, nice. useful. Yeah. I'm so glad because you're right. Like there's another principle in the book called live in your season. And who would have thunk when I wrote that chapter that it would be like, oh, we're all living in a real hard season right now. <laughs> but the whole point. It's winter forever. Yeah, it is. it is. It's so sad. It's like Narnia. It's like there's no Christmas even. But no, it's like the thing about living in your season is not to, like you said, to run past those things. Like you can look head on the difficulty of things. We don't have to pretend that this doesn't suck. Like this is so hard. There's so much about this that is so hard. And if I think about it too long, I just start to implode. I kind of break down a little bit because it feels like too much. But exactly what you said, the thing about living in your season is you don't run away from the feelings. You also don't have to indulge them to the point that you can't function, because I don't think that that's what any of us want anyway. Like we want to be real about what we're feeling and how we're processing things, but it doesn't have to be in charge. You know, like that devastation does not have to be in charge. And every season has something to teach us, every single one. And it just so happens that right now we're all sort of living the same one and finding some of those same lessons well, if you're not doing the things that sort of the majority is doing and learning in this season, then you start to discount the lessons that you're learning for yourself. And we all get to learn different things. It doesn't make it better or worse. And so I just love that, like, we can sort of see places where maybe we have excess that we don't need as much or even the other way. Like I bought a bunch of nail polish. I've never owned nail polish. And it's been like the delight of my life. So it doesn't have to be either or. There's this like just beautiful, inviting middle where we could all just be. I think we have to leave it there. That's so good. I think I feel better about myself today having heard that. I'm glad. Kendra, tell us about you, your book, where we can find it and you and everything. If you Google Lazy Genius, you will find me. My name is Kendra, Kendra Adachi, but the book is The Lazy Genius Way. It is out. I'm so happy. Congratulations. Thank you. And I am not trying to blow smoke here. Like if there's anything that I've said that feels resonant, I really do feel like this book, get it at the library. Like you don't have to buy it. Like just read it and see if the principles, if this way of seeing gives you any life. Because I feel like we don't need another list of things to do. 
We need a new way to see. We need a new way to think. We need tools to help us think so then we can do the things that matter to us. So I love the book. I'm so proud of the book. I'm so glad that people get to start reading it. I also have a podcast, the Lazy Genius Podcast, new episodes every Monday that are like a lot more practical, you know, like applying these principles to like cleaning your kitchen and cooking chicken and stuff. And then I'm on Instagram mostly because Facebook makes me sad. And so I'm on Instagram at the lazy genius. Kendra, so nice talking to you. It's been great. Same. And I'm sorry for judging you before I knew you that you were a phony. (laughs) (laughs) I received that apology. We are friends now. (laughs) I see you now. (laughs) Thanks, Kendra. Thanks for being with us. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And now, talking to your mom about coronavirus. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Hey, mom. When are you going to let me visit my grandbabies? Oh, I know. It's it's very frustrating. You know Angie, next door. She had her grandkids over yesterday, all day. But I know, I know you're very busy. No, mom, it's not that we're busy. It's because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Well, Donna had her whole family down the shore this week. Everyone brought three friends. They were fine. Mom, we are just trying to respect our state's guidelines on gatherings. Oh, now you're following the state guidelines. Don't remember that being so important to you when you and your friends were 16 with the wine coolers. Mom, I, look, I, I just want to make sure you and dad are staying safe. 
Are you kidding me? We don't go anywhere. You know, we don't see anybody. We're like a pair of shut-ins in here. Really? Because I saw a picture of you on Facebook at a pancake breakfast. Oh, that. Oh, honey, we just stopped there real quick on our way to our bridge game. You're still going to bridge? That does not sound safe. Oh, stop. We sit at a very, very big table. Listen, I only have a few minutes. We have Mrs. Lawrence's party in a few. Who's Mrs. Lawrence? You know Mrs. Lawrence. She taught your fourth grade class for a month when your other teacher broke her leg. And you have to go see her right now? Honey, don't be insane. We can't skip this. This is her seventh grandchild's only baptism. And don't worry, they cut it down from 250 people to 200, and they say the hallway at her church has very good airflow. Let me talk to Dad. Oh, Dad's not here, honey. He ran to the store. I thought you were getting groceries delivered. Oh, we are. We only go out for emergencies, and we were out of blue cheese olives, and you know your father will not drink a martini without one. Mrs. Miller, where should I put this? Is there someone in the house with you? Oh, yes, My neighbor sent her nephew over. He is such a cutie pie. Marjorie wanted him to show me these cartoons he draws. He's so clever. Mom, does he have a mask on? Thanks a lot, Mrs. Miller. Oh, no, but it's not a problem. He had a corona test last month and he never heard back. And so, you know, they say no news is good news. Mom, if we don't take this seriously, I am never going to get my kids back in school. Honey, I couldn't agree more. People are being so irresponsible. It is just appalling. Hun, I have to go. That's the girls coming over for some cocktails before the baptism. Come on in, girls. We're going to sit around the little table in the pantry. This has been Talking to Your Mom About Coronavirus. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, we're back. Yes, and I want to say Kendra's new book is from Waterbrook. It's a Christian imprint from Random House with books that offer practical guidance and inspiration. So be sure to check it out. I love this idea of deciding once. I want to pat myself on the back. I have a good deciding once thing that I want to share with you. Please do. I like deciding once. I'm not sure I 100% get it. Deciding once is the thing that you always do in this situation so that you never have to worry about it again. So my deciding once is my baby gift. I give everybody who's having their first baby the same exact gift, which is, well, not the same exact, it's a monogram sweater with the baby's name on it. But there's a a small business called the Monogram Shop. Call them up on the phone. They have my credit card on file. They know the color combinations that I like. They know the, you know, number four monogram style that I want. It takes me, you know, just a couple minutes on the phone. Every time I order these, I order 20 a year. I mean, sometimes I'm ordering them for somebody I've never even met. It's somebody that my spouse knows somebody in the office in San Francisco, whatever. I'm always sending out this sweater. It's always my baby gift. I don't have to wonder because it's always the same thing. That's a really good one. I'm realizing that my mom had a deciding once, which is that every Wednesday of my entire life, basically, we had spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. That was Wednesday's dinner. You know, it's like looking back, she always joked that one day She was watching, this is a very 70s commercial. It might have only been New York, but there was a commercial and it was like a guy with like an Italian accent. He'd be like, Wednesdays is Prince Ranzoni night. Ranzoni was like a pasta that you could get in the supermarket. Maybe you still can. And I don't know. My mom's like, I heard that once. And I was like, that's a good idea. And she served spaghetti and meatballs every Wednesday from then on. And we always have Fridays is taking food and movie night as it was in my childhood. So like Fridays is taken care of for the kids. And then we kind of are leaning into like lasagna's Monday nights. I think it would benefit me quite a bit to have the same meals like four days a week. And then the other ones are floaters. And then, you know, we do new food Wednesdays at our house. We haven't Mm. really been doing it in quarantine because I got enough problems. But our Wednesdays is new food night. 
And so that's been good for us. Like, let's try enchiladas. And like everybody can suggest or they hear on Fortnite, the game that my kids are obsessed with. There's a meme emote. I don't know what it's called. My kids would be like screaming right now. They can't stand it when I describe Fortnite wrong. <laughs> a meme emoji? I think it's called an emote where it's somebody makes a chimichanga. Like they put it in a microwave. And so one night we had chimichanga night. Like whenever you hear of a food that sounds interesting, we'll have it on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night is a uh, new food. But I like that idea of like that decide once thing is really, really smart. And the interesting takeaway, I think, is like, did you love Wednesdays growing up? I mean, I'm sure like Wednesdays were a good day for you. Hump day and it was spaghetti and meatballs for dinner. I always say like, it's not like I was like, I love Wednesdays. But in the fabric of my life, the $8 million that my parents spent on different stuff. By the way, I'm using $8 million as an exaggeration. We do, <laughs> I do not come from a family where my parents spent $8 million on anything. The thousands and thousands of dollars they spent on special things Things that rise to the top are like Wednesday was Prince Ron's only night at our house. Like it's like the fabric of your life is made up of those things. And But for the kids point of view, I just mean like that's hashtag winning, like awesome. Oh, yeah. Right. Your kids love that. And that, what you were saying about the branding, I used to do Playroom Inspector that you were talking about before. I totally did that with my kids. And now I have a thing where we each have to pick up 10 things. I mean, they're a little older now, right? The branding thing runs out. They don't love my character work as much as they used to, but they will, yeah. right? I'm like, okay, guys, right now, 10 things. Everybody put away 10 things and like a pair of shoes counts as it one thing or two things. I mean, I let them quibble about that because that's part of the fun. But if me and my three kids each put away 10 pens and shoes and pillows back on the couch, like we're done, right? And it takes three minutes. And they know as soon as I say 10 things, they're like, oh, 10 things, but they do it. And so I think that the branding is something you can stick with longer than you would think it works. I think this decide once and I'm not, I always have grand aspirations for this, but I think it's a good idea in terms of like, have buy a case of long lasting wine that you put somewhere in your house if you have storage space for it. And every time you have to go to like someone's birthday party, you know, like the like stop by housewarming, like that's the grab one. And then you have a bottle of wine for the party. Like my husband and I are constantly dressed up and five minutes late for the yes. party and being like, are we yes. supposed to bring something? <laughs> like we're constantly like running into the liquor store and be like, can you put a bow on that? Like those kind of fixes I'm all for. I can't say I'm a person who ever delivers on that. But the other thing is like, Gift cards to the bookstore are my go-to birthday gift. I have a stack of them in the front, you know, thing right out the door and like a stack of cards next to it. And then write the kid's name, put the gift cards in, have your kid sign it and you're going to the birthday party because that's the other thing. Like I am queen of like on the way to the birthday party that we're five minutes late for and we don't have a swimsuit because we forgot it was at a pool we have to stop at Target and get a gift and wrap it in the car. Like, it's just a drag. And like, you're constantly buying those stupid bags full of tissues because you don't want to wrap it. And those bags, those gift bags with the tissue paper, that's like $8.99 right there. You could have just gotten another gift. Exactly. Amy, let's talk a little bit about put everything in its place. Okay. This is another rule that like, you know how they say in like science experiments, it like lights up your like pleasure center of your brain. This lights up the anger section of my brain, like put everything in its place because I don't <laughs> like being told what to do. And I don't like people who have a plan for all of their things because they make me upset. But I have a really good example of this from my recent life. So my dad is moving and the apartment that he and my mom lived in for the last, whatever, 15 years, he's getting rid of most of the furniture. 
And so there's four kids and a bunch of grandkids who are also grown who need some furniture. And so we started like a spreadsheet, like who wants what furniture? And it's a lot of the furniture from our house growing up. And it's kind of a lot of furniture. And I have become the default, like, I'll take it if nobody wants it, that couch, that blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking like, I didn't do this thing of like, where will this go? I just come of like, we could always use a couch. It's like, we can't really use a couch. We have couches. Like, where is this stuff going to go that's not my garage for the next 10 years? Right, because the garage is where rugs go to die and everything goes to die. It's damp in there. I have a rug from an apartment I lived in now seven years ago in my in-laws garage. I don't have a garage. I live in New York City and it will sit there until I don't know what, until the cockroaches are all that's left. And it's got to be wet by now. I'm never going to use it again. But now it's a hassle to throw it out. Yes. Don't hang on to something in case there's a place you might use it in the hypothetical someday. Take it from me. But there's a lot of statistics around like storage units that this huge percentage of stuff that ever goes into a storage unit ever comes out, you know? Yes. And that is, I think, this feeling, and I have it all the time at the supermarket and I have it all. The worst for me is Williams-Sonoma. Like I had to ban myself from that store because I'm like, I do want a cherry red apple core because I'm a person who will start coring apples. Like I see stuff and I'm like, if I had that, I would be a great person. Right. You know, I'm so susceptible to that feeling. And now Target has like the Chip and Joanna Gaines section where like, oh, I know everything's like a beautiful sign that says powder room. And like everything's like a beautiful water flask with like flowers on it. And I'm like, I would be a better person if I owned that thing that it just activates me in that way. And I think this thing that she says about like, where is that thing going in your house? Yes. Think about that before you make a purchase. Yes. And we have a friend, we go to conferences sometimes and we've been there with Gretchen Rubin who writes The Happiness Project. Perhaps you've heard of her. (laughs) Oh, a million books about like how to be like a more functional person. And we were talking to her and one of the things she was saying is like, I never take swag. When you go to a conference, there's a million brands all trying to like, stickers and hats and you're like oh a, a, look at this really soft sweatshirt I love it it's free I'll take like and pads and all of this stuff and what you do is you walk around with a tote bag and you fill that tote bag with all of this swag because that's what you do at conferences and she was saying like one rule of mine is like you don't take any of that stuff and it's so all of that stuff where is it it's littering all the surfaces of my house mm-hmm. like little cute like microphone keychains that we got at podcasting conferences i'm like i thought i would enjoy this when i saw it but guess what it doesn't have a place you know what i just saw it last night for the first time a sign on etsy that was like don't forget your mask and it was a cute little sign you hang by your front door with hooks for the masks and i was sort of like oh i do not need a cutesy sign for this but you do kind of need a place for this this is i have a tray by my front door and the masks go in there and we try to separate them from each other because one of my kids thinks it's really gross if your mask touches my mask and i guess it is but you need a place for that but you don't necessarily need to buy a cutesy thing for your house for that that's right i mean i feel like kendra's got that with like this thing of like know where it will go before Mm -hmm. and also know if you already have that thing we used to like that show um oh it was like you buy they critique your wardrobe and they make you buy new clothes do you know what i'm talking about (laughs) the girl with the black hair with the gray streak is this an old deluxe alert? It's not. I don't think it's an old deluxe alert, but it is my favorite line that I saw on Twitter is like, 
the closest you'll ever know to what it's like to be a ghost is listening to a podcast where two people are trying to think of something that you know the answer to. <laughs> and all of our listeners are having that experience because they know the show that we're talking about and they're yelling it at their phones right now and we can't hear them. But that show is all about like, they go into people's closets and they have like 19 of the same comfy pants, you know, or sweatshirts or, and they're trying to say like, you should have eight pieces that mix and match so you can make different outfits. But that is so me. I will never stop buying long sleeve thermal black ribbed tops. Like I can't own enough of them. I do that for my husband. I keep buying him the same sort of dusty blue gray sweater. He has it already. That's like it screams him to me when I see it in a store. And that's because he already owns it. I got it for him last Christmas. Yep. I have a tweet around this. I actually put this on What Fresh Hell Twitter and I thought this was so pertinent. Janelle James on Twitter said, if you're over 35, whatever you're about to buy, you already have it. Two, in some cases, go look. Oh, that, guys, <laughs> if you take nothing else from this episode, that's it. Thanks, Janelle James, whoever you are. You already have that thing. Yeah. I am like the queen. I always say, like, I am so under the delusion that I am three decorative baskets away from organized, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, I cannot resist buying decorative baskets because I'm like, but if I had this decorative basket, I would have somewhere to put the stuff. And I think Kendra's point is, Maybe less stuff. Yeah. Or instead of more decorative baskets. Yeah. I mean, right now, like the mask example. Okay. So yeah, I do have a tray. And so the masks go on it. It's something I had already. I do have a system. It's not something that has to be overarching, but it does make life easier. That's why it's worth it to me. There's one place where masks go because I'm not going to be buying new ones. You know, I have a little bit of a scarcity feeling around masks. I don't know if you do. Like, I just bought a box of these and I don't know how long I'm going to have to make them last. So quit losing them everywhere. The system makes my life easier later. And that's why it's worth investing five minutes and figuring out this is where these are going to go because they are going to be a big part of our lives for the next year. Our system is 800 masks on the floor of our minivan and you grab one that's closest (laughs) to your feet when you get out of the car. Sounds sanitary. That is going great for us. And then when people are like, how are you sanitizing your mask? I'm like, please stop talking to me. That's our system. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank Kendra Adachi, our guest for today. Her new book is called The Lazy Genius Way. Embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. I feel like I learned from this that my perfectionist tendencies can be put towards good use if it's not all the uses. Amy, use your powers for good. Yes, I will. With great organizational power comes great responsibility, Amy. I think that's what we've learned. We want to know from you guys, how is this going for you? Are you organized? Are you Hot Mess Express? Are you adorable Etsy mask board with hooks? (laughs) Are you 800 masks on the floor of your minivan that you put on after your child has stepped on them? Whatever you're doing is fine with us, but we want to know. And you can tell us on Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast. You can join our group. You can talk to other people all over the world of organization. We're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And as always, you can find us on our website, WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. And guys, we'll talk to you next week. Stay well, everybody. Hang in there, everybody. Talk to you next week. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, 
a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. <laughs> 